Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Illinois Realtors Podcast. Get to know what you don't know. What obstacles and opportunities await you in 2021? Realtors Sarah Ware, Brian Quillaz, and Megan Oswald will engage in a lively and informative discussion about the business issues realtors should be aware of and prepared to manage in 2021. Learn how to reduce risk, grow your business, and sharpen your skills, all through a lens that focuses on diversity, inclusion, and equality. Expand your customer base and save time and money by navigating the obstacles that lie ahead. Morning and welcome everyone to the Illinois Realtors Business Issue Forum 2021. I am Sarah Ware, the chair of the forum, and joining me today are two industry experts. First, we have Brian Quillos, who is my vice chair or chair of vice. Um, he will join be joining me as well, and he is the immediate past president of Main Street um, Realtors, also the designated managing broker of Exit Real Estate Partners. And he brings about 13 years of industry experience along. And then we have Megan Oswald. She is a broker at Fulton Grace and currently the Women's Council of Realtors, president of the Chicago Network and the president-elect for the state for the Women's Council of Realtors. And she also brings about 15 years of experience. And thank you for joining us. So I have some industry rock stars with us. We got um, Brian and Megan, as I stated earlier in the introduction. And so we're going to dive into a few questions. Um, it's more conversational about um, some insights that can help our own brokerage practices, whether we're owners, designated brokers, or just practitioners. And then we have some positive thoughts and procedures on how to expand our networks. Give us some ideas about some new avenues for business, all while making our circle bigger, more diverse, and inclusive. Since you know, diverse is a is you know the hot word these days. And so we can just dive into that. Like what does really diverse mean? You're going to be diverse in markets and industry and things like that. So my first question. And so I would just say, just jump in and feel free to add or, you know, subtract. We don't want to have Brian to kind of haul all the questions because we know that's just what he does. <laughs> so whether you're a seasoned practitioner or new to the business, um, because as we know, there are several new practitioners that's coming in the business at record levels due to the pandemic. Help um, help us understand why we should stay in our lane, meaning that, you know, we have as a real estate practitioner, once we get our license, there are different avenues that we can go under. We can focus on residential, commercial, property management. Should What are your thoughts on should we dabble in all three or find an area of expertise? And Brian, I want to start with you as a broker owner. I want to see what are your thoughts around that? Priority is taking care of our clients and customers, right? So making sure that we abide by the code of ethics, which means that we are representing the interests of the people that we are helping. And what was that? The code of what? Ethics. Okay. Yeah. All right. You I just, look I just it want up. to make sure that we understand that if we do practice by a code, I think people think we're just out here practicing no, based on social media. <laughs> practice until you get it right. So yeah, exactly. follow the code. And and I mean, if you look down, I believe it's Article 11 that talks about um, competency standards within your practice of real estate, right? So I think that we need to have a level of understanding of the entire realm of real estate. But as a personally, you know, I came up as a residential practitioner, right? So if you came to me, Sarah, and you said, Hey, I need to, 
I want to purchase a big million square foot warehouse. That's outside of my realm of expertise. And I'm not going to be able to represent you in a quality manner. So I should probably refer that out to someone else, a trusted professional that I have met in the past or built my my uh, circle of trust around. So staying within your lane, I think is is important. You need to have an idea of what else is out there because especially like you said, people coming into the business, you don't really know what you want to focus on. So dabble a little bit, have a trusted professional, have an advisor, have your designated managing broker or trainer within your office kind of guide you with that. And I think that that's important. And so um, I'll get to you and Megan, but I wanted to piggyback off something you said. So as a owner and, you know, with about 50 agents, do you, what, what have you seen coming from your newer agents or some more seasoned? Are, are they itching to fur or it's not so much of a problem because you kind of laid that groundwork or what are you seeing out here with just newer agents? No, I think what we're seeing is, especially with newer agents, they want to do everything. So they want to come in. Okay. I have this person who needs Right. whatever they want to purchase or rent or lease within real estate and they want to do it. But it's important as, in my opinion, as owners, as designated managing brokers that we step back and say, okay, let's stay within our wheelhouse, right? Let's not get over our skis here and stay where you are comfortable with and represent the client in the best way possible so that they're taken care of. So it's, it's important to, to kind of, just take a step back mm-hmm. and focus on what, what you're comfortable with. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. So Megan, and I, first of all, I want to ask, is that a virtual background or is that, and then I won't say anything <laughs> after that. Is that, or is that your background? No, it's my background. All right. I will say no more. So, <laughs> so as a practitioner, you've been in business about 15 years. I know you do a fair amount of business with rehabbers um, and, you know, just, you know, your way around the city pretty well. What, do you think about, you know, agents trying to do it all or, I mean, especially, um, I know you're involved from a volunteer standpoint, so you probably come in contact with seasoned agents, newer agents, and just kind of that conversation. What are your thoughts around that? You know, I agree with Brian. Um, what's that old saying, uh, Jack, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none? And or while Jill, I- or Jill. Jail, sorry, right, Jack or Jill. Um, so while I do think that uh, you should have the knowledge um, for everything real estate, right, whether it's commercial, property management, residential, I do believe you should have the knowledge of all of it. But have your referral partners, have somebody there that is an expert in that because you are going to do your clients a disservice if you try just to, you know, make it happen. Well, yeah, yeah, I can figure it out. I can ask people along the way. But honestly, I don't feel like you're working for your client's best interest if you do that. So stay in your lane, as Brian said, know your wheelhouse, and you're going to be serving your clients in their best interest. And so either one of you, so if, if you wanted to increase knowledge, what are some avenues that you suggest? I know you, Brian, you mentioned a mentor, but as far as education, because for realtors, there's so much out there for education. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, some things that you suggest just as baby steps to even start off? Well, the first step is to look at some of the NAR, the National Association of Realtors affiliate groups. Like Megan, you you're president elect of the uh, women's council here, right? Yeah, for state network. Yeah, state. So I think, and you can probably speak to this. And I'm I'm a past president of our local network, our chapter in West Suburban. But that's a fantastic place to start because 
network and and get to know your fellow real estate professionals because you're going to find someone who knows something that you don't know. And that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree. When I first got into this business, the first few years, I tried to do it all, right? I pretended like I knew what I was doing on all avenues. Um, but quite honestly, it wasn't until I started getting more involved with our industry partners, like these other networking groups and, you know, kind of going to those and, and surrounding myself with other people in the business. You know, people think, well, why am I going to go somewhere and network with other realtors? Well, this is the reason why. So you can learn from them, right? And then you have that knowledge and then you can also refer if, if need be. So it's definitely very important to, to get involved in network in this industry. It's ultimately so, taking care of your client, your customer, uh, and minimizing uh, your liability and risk, right? And the best way to do that is to, to build your network of professionals that know more than you do. So mm-hmm. everybody benefits. Let's take a break in our conversation to check out this video from NER's Katie Johnson, where she reminds us about our ethical duties to clients and consumers and also highlights a fairly common policy that could present a problem if not handled correctly. Hello, Illinois Realtors. I'm Katie Johnson, General Counsel and Chief Member Experience Officer of the National Association of Realtors. Thank you to Sarah and Brian for inviting me to share my insights at this very important business issues forum. As you've likely already gleaned, embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion in your business practice is not just the right thing to do. It's also good for your bottom line. The key to most any successful business is to appeal to as many people as possible. The wider the appeal, the more opportunity you have to expand your customer base and increase revenue. From a legal perspective, avoiding liability is also good for your bottom line because it saves you money and it saves you time. The number one key for avoiding legal liability with respect to the fair housing laws and the code of ethics is practicing the golden rule. Your legal and ethical obligations to provide equal professional services stems from that basic and enduring concept. Treat others as you want to be treated. So how do you know if you're consistently providing equal access and equal professional services to all people? Well, here's how. You're using systematic procedures for all interactions. You're obtaining and providing objective information about properties and neighborhoods. You're letting the buyer client determine their own criteria. You're providing a variety of choices and you're documenting the services that you provide to each client. Being consistent in how you greet, qualify prospects, follow up with clients, and keep records will greatly reduce the chances of inadvertently violating the fair housing laws or code of ethics. Recently, 10 fair housing advocacy organizations have filed a lawsuit against Redfin, alleging that the brokerage violates the fair housing laws by failing to provide equal services to all prospective homebuyers in a given market. The lawsuit alleges that Redfin uses the estimated price of a home to determine which consumers to serve, and that this practice has a disparate impact on individuals who are not white. They allege that Redfin makes some exceptions to the price policy, but only in predominantly white areas. The fair housing organizations allege that this is digital redlining. 
Now, as I said, the lawsuit was only recently filed, so we can't know for sure how the case will progress. But I've been asked to share my thoughts with you today on how you might avoid being subject to similar allegations. That is, I've been asked to address whether the Fair Housing Act prohibits real estate professionals from providing broker services based on the price of a home. The answer is technically no. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination based on race, color, religion, national origin, sex, disability, and familial status, but it does not mention price. However, the act also prohibits discrimination and practices and policies that have a disparate impact on members of one of those protected classes. So while the act doesn't expressly prohibit discrimination based on home value, such policy could be illegal if it is proven to disparately impact members of a minority race, for example. The main takeaway here is that if you claim to make your services widely available, make sure your services are available on the same basis for all customers and that there's no large population that is significantly excluded. And be careful to always follow your own policies. Making exceptions can lead to trouble. Now, you may be wondering, how does this apply to the luxury home market? If you claim to make your services available to a niche segment, still make your services available on the same basis for all customers in that niche. A highly selective niche, such as luxury home buyers, is likely to exclude most of the general population regardless of race, and is likely to suggest that the policy was not intended to exclude a large population of a particular race or ethnic population. Thank you for your attention to these important matters. Thank you for adhering and providing the uh, most professional services and equal services to all people. And thank you especially for your desire to strengthen your DEI and fair housing practices within your offices. Please be sure to check out the many, many resources we've made available to assist you in that journey on nar.realtor. Thank you. How would you counsel someone if they're trying to break into a different market? Because even though we have a license to practice throughout the state, um, every neighborhood, you know, there are different neighborhoods, different suburban markets, and people do business in different areas, different, they practice differently. Um, so what are your thoughts around that? Like, how can you diversify? Like, if, if, if you're not familiar, like for me, I am Chicago, um, but it could be someone that's looking in Naperville, but that may be not a market that I'm familiar with, but if I wanted to break into that, what is it? What are some suggestions? If I say, you know what, I really want to break into this market, or I'm new to the business, Naperville is where I live, I want to break into that as, you know, what what can I do here or diversify my my network already? I mean, for me, we have so many tools at our fingertips um, that I believe will, can help you get to gain some knowledge in different um, avenues, right? So for instance, if you're looking, you want to now start working in the Naperville market, you're not real familiar, we have so many um, tools with Remind on MLS that I feel like we can really utilize. A lot of us don't know, but there are so many ways. And again, there's classes. MLS offers so many classes that you can take to um, continue to grow your knowledge in a different market. I believe start there. And so, or if you have, what if you have a, a, a knowledge base or a, a base of um, a network of people that are a certain ethnic group or certain uh, 
group of people? Is there something that, that you can do within that network to kind of become more involved and things like that? A PTA or your background could be like, I live here. And so my makeup is this. How do you how do you expand your marketing those those areas? Yeah. So first of all, um, I live in Naperville, so I'm not going to Naperville. Me my <laughs> <laughs> too far but, um, from me to drive. That's way too far. One of the one of the things that uh, yeah you go check your passport on that one. one. Yes. One of the things that we that we focus on at, at our company is okay, identify what you enjoy doing and get involved with a like minded group that enjoys the same thing, right? So whether it be uh, refereeing soccer games or a PTA like you said, Sarah, or basket weaving, some sort of witchcraft of knitting. It was it was funny. I was just. Uh, but get involved in something like that because people that are like-minded that are going to be attracted to the same thing, but make sure that it's something that you enjoy, that you're passionate about, right? Because if you get involved into a group, whether it be a diversity group or a women's council, or again, we'll go back to basket weaving. You don't really like to weave baskets, then people are going to recognize that and they're not going to, to identify with you. So Follow yeah, that's that's Look a good basket weaving, basket weaving. Okay, but and also I just kind of wanted to add too on some of those. Um, like some people may feel that just because of the strategic partners of the name, that may be only for a certain mm-hmm. group of people. Yeah. But there is all, and that's a good way to break into certain networks that you may not be familiar with, and to get some background and then network with those individuals to a create referral partners and just b if there's a different way to culturally do business, then they could learn through those organizations as well. And I think between the three of us, I'm sure we we are dues paying members of quite a few of those. <laughs> quite um, a few, and there, so. there's a ton of them. And there, there, it's it's not only just the business benefit from it, but the friendships that you gain yes. and just the knowledge and the experience that you gain from it. I think is is more valuable than anything. And there's we can probably provide links. I think to all of the affiliate groups. I mean, yeah. you have. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna start naming them because I'm gonna miss them. But I mean, we're all familiar with. You, you, you name one and you forget one, then they'll be like Brian. You know, they'll right. start calling. You, and, yeah. You know. But uh, yeah. Brian, Brian, you actually hit that on the head. You know, I'm a huge advocate of don't do something unless you're passionate about it, right? Or you have some sort of you know, the LGBTQ market or whatnot, but you don't really like want to be there you just want it for the revenue and you're you're that is going to show in how you treat your clients right whatever mm-hmm. those clients whatever that clientele is so I'm a huge I agree with you 100% on just make sure that it's something that you're actually interested in and you're not just you know just trying to add you know another what's that um, all these phrases I'm trying to say what another notch on your belt or whatever right well, so um, a new toy for the week or they read somewhere <laughs> right. Average median income in this group is this wide. Right. That way. Exactly. Exactly. That, that goes on a lot. Like I want to grow my business. I can network with these people, and then or the luxury market. That's the whole. That's the whole. You know, everybody thinks you can suddenly pop into luxury overnight, and um, you know, not realizing what the work it takes. But but you know, go into it with interest and not want for money. You know, it's yeah. right. the money will the come. Money will the business come. will come, but yeah. it's the experience that is really what it's all about. So next, why is it so important to build your brand and employ consistency and practices and procedures in the marketplace while always seeking a diverse clientele? And then if so, what are some of the examples that you may want to touch on? I mean, the first thing, obviously, you're going to say, you know, um, building your brand, there's a lot of moving 
parts and pieces with this. But and what, say, what does that mean to build your brand? I guess that's the question. When you're building your brand, what does that really mean? I think brand? that's an overused phrase nowadays. It doesn't mean starting Instagram and making some videos and that's my brand. Like, what does that mean to build your brand? It's an identity, right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's what people view you as. That's your identity, whether it be professional or personal. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you may be building a different brand. We're waiting for the ponytail. Ponytail to come. (laughs) (laughs) It was there. I told him he has the John Travolta look. Yeah. So that could be, yeah. But that could be like, you know what? That's a brand. But like, I think people think building a brand. brand. The brand is I can't get a haircut during COVID. <laughs> oh, who needs a haircut in COVID, right? You know, but but, but, but if you think or, about it, you know, again, your brand is what people remember you as, right? And so, and not to say you can't be memorable without having something distinct for people to, you know, go back to, but it's something that's always going to like come top of mind when someone thinks about, you know, you as an agent, you as a professional, you as a business person or in this industry. Um, so I feel like it's really important to build that brand and sometimes it can come to you instantly and right away. And sometimes I feel like it could take years for you to figure out what you want your brand to be and what you identify as. Cause for me, like part of that is what do your clients remember you as? Like, Oh, you know what, Megan, you know, she is very thorough. She does X, Y, Z. Oh, you know, Brian, you know, Naperville, he really knows the market really well there because he knows like the back of his hand and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's kind of, Hey, how, you, how do you treat your customers? How do you treat your clientele on a day to day? And what is it about what, what makes you special to kind of help that branding and, um, and making sure like, oh, your your brand is something that is consistent. You mm-hmm. can't have one person like, oh, they were great or this person does this all the time. But something that's building a consistency, because I think part of branding is consistency. Like kind of like if we are sending out marketing material, people want to do it one time and that's it. Or if people want to do things once. They did it once. But the consistency it didn't like, work I did it once. It didn't work. It did, <laughs> yes, it didn't work. And so what were you saying, Brad? I can't hear you. The other side of that is, well, hey, it worked so well, I just stopped doing it. Mm. Yes. So yeah. it's consistency and, and the branding is, I think, is is what your your consumer, your customer, your client stays with and what they take away after you're done helping yeah. them with, with what they're doing. Right. So it's it's that it's that evergreen effect of, OK, well, you know, Megan, yeah, she helped me buy this house, but she kept in touch with me. She's always there for me. She's referring people to me. She's, she's an asset and, and, a, and a benefit to me. So that's, that's, that's your brand is what stays with someone after, after you're done with the transaction. Right. Just if they remember at the grocery store a year later, oh, hey, XYZ, yeah. I remember they did this to me. What is the memory that they have of you? Right. Just remember when you're building that brand to continue and follow policy and procedures throughout your that entire process. Right. That includes treating everybody that you're working with Mm. fairly equally. You have to remember all of that is part of real estate. It's still consistent throughout the entire, I guess, throughout your entire brand. Right. Because I think part of it, because I know there's been some recent cases about you know, some real estate professionals doing one thing to certain groups and another, you know, that's, and, and now they are branded with that. They're, you know, they're known right. for that because, it, and, and, and that kind of carries with you. So you want to make sure you're treating all parties fairly. So let's shift gears a bit and talk about how we were talking about growing your business. So um, on that subject, how can you align yourself? Like Brian, you mentioned, if I see anything in neighborhood, I want to sell, 
how, you know, <laughs> to refer it out, but how do you align yourself with a local ex expert or referral partners to kind of expand your network? Because I know you, but say for instance, there's someone out there that doesn't know you. But so all those listening, refer if you're looking for something in Naperville or to have a client, Brian Quillos, you can just send it to him directly. Outside of that, though, Brian, what are some things that people can do to kind of align themselves with the different organizations, veterans, local, you know, local home builders, lenders and things like that? We talked about this, like Sarah, Megan, how we know each other because of our right. involvement in groups. Yeah. I mean, we right. Yeah, that's, yeah. years ago because of Women's Council and not the same Women's Council network or chapter, depending upon, you know, how long no, ago you've been involved, <laughs> right? Chapter days. I'm chapter. And Megan, you talked about that. I think that it's the industry involvement that really it has more benefit than a lot of people realize. Because I think people are always wondering, like, why would I volunteer with you, mm -hmm. a bunch of realtors? And I, yeah. you know, we, I'm sure we do that all the time. You know, Brian, you were president of Main Street, so I'm sure people are like, you know, going up the chain. Um, I'm looking at I me. Mean, maybe people may think of it as time, but I'm looking at all the referral connections that you probably gained along the way, just in different industries, because you were in different rooms along the way. Mm -hmm. And kind of build your network. Um, yeah, not only local either, because right. you you're involved on a national level. So there there are referral opportunities as well as friendships and knowledge opportunities yep. across the country and in the world. Right? We we have yeah. we have relationships with uh, other countries. Like I signed agreements um, with. India with Ireland with I mean it, it's a, with other states it's it was an it's an amazing awesome. opportunity that you you just really need to take a look at I I don't I, it was it was great I mean it's fantastic the business and the personal aspect of it yeah you definitely you won't understand or international like what's what's that I mean, you're global or international. I know there's, you know, people try to decide. Oh, I would, we'll, we'll call it global. So we're going global, right? So there's global opportunities out there that you people don't even realize. I didn't realize before I got mm -hmm. involved that there were global opportunities for not only business, but relationships, friendships, and knowledge. Sorry to make it cut you off now. So go back no, to no, your that's point. Okay. Um, so like, just again, to Brian's point, it, it comes to be where, yes, you can grow your referral partners with these different organizations, but it's also one of those things where like, for instance, I've learned so much from Sarah, right? Just literally, I mean, don't let it go to your head, Sarah. Okay. But just, you know, being obviously involved. <laughs> with women's council obviously i know that i can call her or i'm just in regular conversation learning from her right parts of the business that i'm not familiar with or from different people in the organization so the friendships are there but just the growth in becoming friends with them learning about the business in random conversations right like it's immeasurable and those random conversations may or may not happen in someone's backyard with something that may or may not be on her back table with some other past women's council members and we all collaborate. <laughs> so those are some of the benefits. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But that speaks to the benefit of diversity, right? Yes. Not only within your personal life, but within your business. Yes, because I mean, it just makes us better, stronger, and then we're better for it in the long run as we are making our business planning out. And so it's not like we say, we wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to get in this market then we know that there's a strategic effort to it. If I need to, you know, if I'm trying to get into a certain market that Brian may be familiar with or Megan or any other person that I'm friends with, that's a question that I can say, hey, how did you do this? And then they'll they take the time to share because when people you volunteer with are more apt to kind of give them some, you know, because they understand the, 
the time and commitment that we put into this. Take a break in our conversation to check out a recent video featuring NAR's Leslie Muko and Brian Green from where they discuss a new fair housing program and puzzling questions that come up often in our practice. Hi, I'm Leslie Muko, NAR Deputy General Counsel and Vice President Legal Affairs. NAR's Fair Housing Action Plan, commonly referred to as ACT, stands for Accountability, Culture Change, and Training. Joining me today to talk about ACT, as well as best practices for complying with fair housing laws, is NAR's Vice President of Policy Advocacy, Brian Green. Brian, under the ACT plan, NAR recently released a new fair housing training called Fairhaven. What should members know? Fairhaven is a new simulation training that requires users to respond to lifelike scenarios where housing discrimination may occur. The training provides users with customized feedback based on the user's decisions to help real estate professionals enhance their fair housing awareness. The initial reviews of Fairhaven have been overwhelmingly positive, and the training is available to realtors free of charge at fairhaven.realtor. ACT also sets out to help realtors provide school information while avoiding fair housing pitfalls. To be clear, providing school information is not illegal under the Fair Housing Act, but it can be a slippery slope when reference to the quality of schools is used, for example, as a proxy for area demographics or to steer clients away from a particular area. One best practice here is for realtors to provide clients with objective data and to avoid substituting their perceptions of the community for hard evidence about the quality of a school. That's right. Realtors can always direct people to third-party resources. We also recommend that real estate professionals direct clients to school district administrators to get objective, multifaceted information about area schools. Clients can also reach out to people with first-hand knowledge of a school, such as parents with children in the school district. That's good advice. Shifting focus, let's talk about pocket listings. While pocket listings do not violate the Fair Housing Act, they do raise long-standing concerns about their potential to be used in a discriminatory manner. For example, using a pocket listing to market only to people of a certain race raises clear fair housing concerns. NAR's clear cooperation policy adopted last year helps address these concerns by requiring that all publicly marketed listings be entered into the MLS within one business day. But what advice do you have for realtors who continue to use pocket listings or office exclusives to sell property? Certainly, realtors should never use a pocket listing or office exclusive to restrict access to a property for discriminatory purpose. For example, I recently read a story where a real estate agent used a pocket listing to limit showings to people of a particular religion. After only one potential buyer came to the property, the seller fired the agent and hired a new one. That agent placed the listing on the MLS and sold the property at full asking price within a month. Not only did the first agent fail to serve the best interests of the client, as required by the Realtor Code of Ethics and State License Law, the agent's actions violated the Fair Housing Act. While a pocket listing may be appropriate in some circumstances, generally speaking, putting a listing on the MLS not only best serves a client's interests, it also furthers fair housing by ensuring a listing is available to all potential buyers. Thank you, Brian. 
These fair housing conversations are always ongoing. To learn more about ACT, the Fair Haven training, and fair housing issues in general, check out these resources. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Window to the Law. So as a broker owner, how and why is it important to diversify the personnel in your office and how beneficial is that to everyone who works for you and with you? So you said earlier, Sarah, diversity is our, that's our buzzword right now. Yes. Everybody's throwing down, all right, we need to be diverse. Diversity right. is and I mean, so many things, different things to different people. Yeah. Uh, I, so as a real estate practitioner, um, we talked about the groups that you get involved with. So Megan, you were saying, find something that you're interested in. And I said passionate, but I love your interest and get involved with that. So that's also, you can reverse that. And that's what is going to come to you. Does that make sense? So what you're involved with and what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, that's going to project onto your consumer. And that's, what's going to come to you for business, right? So the more broad, spectrum you can be as far as what your involvement is and what your participation is and who you're interested in, what you're interested in is going to just basically generate you more business and give you more experience. Does that make sense? I feel like you're in my head because I feel like I said almost that exact same thing on another panel like a month ago. So <laughs> I may have you're, stolen that from you. I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. You're right. You attract, you attract um, what you put out there is what you attract, right? Right. In a nutshell. And so from a recruit, does it help from recruiting and things of that nature? Or it just naturally is a natural flow because of some of the practice that you put in place? Like, how is that? Is that been a plus? It may not have been because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's something that's not being quote unquote tracked. But I think this is a new buzz where people are more aligned to see it or if you've already been doing it. And so it just doesn't seem like you're doing anything different than what you've already done. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question and kind of a concept because it's I think most of us just kind of go forward, right? There isn't really a deliberate intent as to okay, I need to focus on whatever group it may be, whether it's, you know, race, religion, um gender, whatever. Uh should there be? I don't know. I mean, that's a conversation I th- I think just being open to anyone who comes in to hang their license. You need to have that conversation. But I, and I will say this, just from a, you know, just looking at both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes there has to be a deliberate, um, sometimes there needs to be a deliberate strategy because if sometimes, you know, you may wake up and or be in a room with people that are like, wait a minute, what's, mm-hmm. what's wrong with this picture? So I think from all of us. I'll tell you what's wrong with the picture. And this is the conversation I've been having recently is if I'm sitting in a room, whether I'm on a board of directors or a committee or a brokerage and I look around and everybody looks exactly like me, we have a problem. Right. Right. So that's kind of more of the, you know, more of what, how the buzzword, I mean, I think people realize that, wait a minute, a lot of these rooms look the same. And so Mm -hmm. there's no diversification of ideas and thoughts. Um, so that's, I think that's why it became a buzzword because I think many people started looking in the room and like, whoa, wait a minute, why is there no diversification of ideas? Um, and in the real estate industry, not sure of how that plays out um, from uh, across the board, like how diverse is it? I can, you know, I can have my personal thoughts, but I think that's kind of opened up 
people in different leadership positions moving up, you know, of all of all types. No, I, I, I like how you brought up something that probably doesn't get discussed a whole lot because I think diversity may be looked at on, on more of a, a surface, right? So, right. but the diversity of thoughts, ideas, and experience is right. just as important. Because Megan and I, we may have a conversation about appraisals in certain markets, and then you'd be like, what are you talking about? And so, yeah. you know, maybe a real passion, like in Neighborville, and maybe one one conversation, and then like in my like in South Shore, it may be a different conversation. Um, that's that's the next panel after this one. No, it's <laughs> the next conversation. That's a whole. That's a whole panel. You know. So, um, so I'm going to say the, the 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 hot topic. So how this is really really to get things going. Um, addressing the best and worst practices regarding the use of social media. Mm. <laughs> not, well, <laughs> not to be balanced to use social media for good of business and self and not as a weapon or to be extreme as some recent examples that we may or may not you know but like i mean we could just use the capital as a, a, a prime example how words matter use of social media and branding so you know um there's you know been real estate agents that have been you know let go of companies but how how are, you know, I would like your input of both your, um, both your examples. And then Brian, as a broker owner, because I think people always talk about this freedom of speech, but as a broker owner, you, we're all at will, like independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So you can say you're here, you know, you, you don't have to give a report. Like people always are like, oh, you can't fire them. They have their freedom. Like, mm-hmm. But if I don't want you at my brand, then that's, you know, so like Parler, Twitter, all these private companies, they have the right you know, to say who and what. And I guess those are those, you know, my mother always jokes about she hates clicking on terms and conditions because she doesn't know what they are. So she doesn't <laughs> click on them. So it's probably <laughs> caught up in those terms and conditions yeah. somewhere that we're like, oh, maybe that's what Twitter was like. Oh, I can, I can, you know, so I think um, we want to know your used to be how you can use it as good for your business and not as a weapon and how not to, how not, we know what not to do. That's been done. To well, the <laughs> I, I beg to differ. Some people don't know what not to do because they're still doing it. You're right. But that's my, I mean, sorry, I'm going to keep that two cents to myself. Well, that follows our theme. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So, I mean, it's, we, we've, you see examples of agents, brokers, doing things online where it's when you read it and see it, it's just, I, I can't believe that you just put that out there. Right. Right. But yeah, that's so, kind of what we're talking about here is you need to educate yourself and we need, we need to know more about what we should be doing. And, and, you know, it's going back to the um, experience at the Capitol, like they, their intent may have been good, but it's just the appearance, how you are tagged to that. So then that's part of, branding yourself and you know and then as a if you're an agent at a brand then you're representing you know like it could be one of your agents brian and then mm-hmm. nobody remembers that agent they're like oh exit no, you know or, <laughs> that's how important is that as you are educating your- it's very important and, and i think that as agents and brokers you need to understand that what you do 
nowadays, if it's online, it's there, right? It, it's not going away. You can delete whatever you want, but it's there forever. <laughs> Someone's still going to find it. So you so look at your example, Sarah, with, uh, you know, what happened a couple of days ago is there are business owners who are just being devastated and losing tons of business because of their yeah. participation or what they did, right? So it's have the awareness and, you know, choose what you want to do, but understand that there's consequences uh, for a certain segment of the population because they're going to perceive it however they they want right. to see. Right. And, and, go ahead, Maggie. Now I was just going to say, and also as an independent contractor, right, like making sure that you're aligning yourself or you're searching for whatever company you're going to hang your license at with someone or a company or organization that you agree with them, right, with what their practices are, how they brand themselves, what their quote unquote beliefs are not just religious beliefs, but beliefs in general, right? How they run their business. I feel like as an independent contractor, it's very important to align yourself with that type of company. If, if that's what you're doing from the beginning, from the jump, you're very rarely probably going to go astray. Like some of these people, you know, did the other day because you've already aligned yourself with someone that's like-minded. Right. And it's not, and it's not to say you can't, you can agree to disagree, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, once it starts to sound like you're using it as a weapon and, um, and, and you're going to the extreme, then that's where it gets to be. Cause, you know, I mean, we know, we do know realtors that, you know, they voice their opinions, whether, whatever they may be, and they're, they're, they're okay to do that. Um, but that just may be, you know, just know that sometimes that may rub people a different way, whether it's your client or, you know, things like that. And so... <laughs> And it's also important, Sarah, to to remember that as licensed realtors, again, we're going to go back to that code of ethics, right? So we are bound by the code of ethics and a, and a standard that we hold ourselves to. And that, think, yes, that. And, and understand, understand that literally everything that you do goes through that lens, right? So whether you're on the board for your homeowners association and you sign off on a letter that's going out to one of your, your homeowners about a violation, filter that through the lens of you being a realtor, because everything comes back to that, whether you think that it's going through your professional business or not. You need to remember that again, this Brian said quote of ethics, but it's how you're presenting your, your opinion, your personal or professional opinion out there. So how, okay. So we know the, the don'ts, what are some ways that, um, you know, that you can use social media to build your brand for positive? And, and then and the two of you, how do you use social media to promote an effect, a positive effect? Because now we have what? We all have this Photofire app that you can use from your local association, um, National Association of Realtors, where you can brand yourself on certain things in the market. So Megan and Brian, speak to like how, because we know what not to do and how, how that can turn out bad. What are some things? do that say you know what and what is it that you may practice or um that you have seen some success well i mean i'm probably gonna defer this brian because okay i'm not the greatest at social media probably those that know me watching this know that i'm not a huge fan of social media and i know it helps you put yourself out there you know gain business and all these things um i also think that people go down a rabbit hole and are on social media too much and again it's not that i don't dislike it i just you know i'm not as um consistent with using it um in maybe the ways that I should. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just not my resource, right? Um, but what I will say is that what we were talking about earlier in regards to what your interests are, like um, 
whether it's basket weaving, you know, if you're putting that you're weaving baskets on there, other basket weavers might reach out to you and you might gain a client, but you know, from there, or if you have kids that are similar interests or you're playing a certain sport, but I feel like social media um, can definitely gain your business for like-minded individuals that share interests. Um, again, it just, whatever you put out there is what you're going to get back. It attracts it's what you attract. Yeah, I understand that it's permanent, right? That, that's that's the important part. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Megan. It's it can be a rabbit hole, right? So I think being strategic about it is important, and being deliberate about what you're putting out there and where you're spending your time is important because it's especially these days when you know it's we're, we're kind of we're isolating, we're at home a lot more. It's easy to just pick up the phone and just drop two hours, just scrolling through to see what's going on in the world, man. And that's, that's not productive, but it, uh, it can be a valuable tool. If like you said, you use it deliberately and you focus on arenas and connecting with people and putting something of value out there. Uh, Oh, value. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had this conversation with me standing in front of a shiny new car is not valuable. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean i had this conversation with a good friend last week but we were talking about you know exactly but no i was just saying that i had that sorry to cut you off brian but you like you sparked you sparked something in me because i had this conversation last week with a good friend in the industry and we were talking about you know sometimes just putting content out there is not going to help you it might actually hinder or hurt you right so it's like what are you putting out there that's valuable and that's probably um the majority of like folks out there are putting out things just to put something out. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I feel like the wrong strategy to do. Obviously people want to see you and the consistency needs to be there, which I know I'm not. So I'm not, can't speak on that too much, but no, you hit it on the head there with like, you know, your content should at least produce some type of value. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap, go ahead. You had something. Go ahead, no, I was, it was, I'm just having to flip it. Sorry, I totally cut him off. Totally right. It's, Come in the spirit of service, give some value, and then I hope, you know, something's going to come from it. One thing I do want to kind of put out there because I've been seeing this, this bit, um, social media, obviously you, you want to use it to gain business, you know, use it to kind of pull in clientele. But I also want, I, well, not want, but I think it's important to what you're putting out there is true to your business, mm-hmm. right? You're not faking the funk, so to speak, to where, you know, you're showcasing, you know, $36,000, you know, 3,600, 36,000 square foot homes when you're selling 1,200 square foot homes, you know, and that's, I, I just feel like it's really important to utilize that tool for what you actually know, like what your knowledge base is around. Yeah, um, that brings us back to our first, our first question, right? You know, focus on and practice what you're comfortable with and represent in reality. Yes. And it's okay to want to put things out there to try to break into another market, but you have to be realistic there and you have to do it. I feel like in the, in the proper tunnels. So that's, so we had some key points. So I'm going to do a recap before we end, just kind of do some high level points. So what did we learned today? We talked about having a strategy, building your brand. Um, and if you're trying to get into something, do it because you're in, you're having interest level. Um, what else did we talk about? Code of ethics. Code of ethics. So, and I'm glad. So, code of ethics, and so that is something that you can learn. Well, you, you should know, but you should keep keep building yourself on education. Education is very important. I know we get our our education requirements come up every two years, 
But I think as practitioners, we should always be educating ourselves. And so mm-hmm. the Illinois Realtor School, they are a resource that you can go on. And just because it's time to get your license, you shouldn't wait to the last minute, but they have other things to kind of enhance certain designations that you may want and just further your your policy and procedures. So and speaking of that consistency in your policy and procedures, so you're treating consumers consistently. We do not want either of you on a story where I see Brian is showing listings to one group and then directing or Megan or myself. So you just be consistent because I think the big takeaway is when people always are nervous about diversity or getting in trouble, if you're consistent, there is nothing to worry about. Yeah, have a checklist, right? Have a have a procedure, have a checklist, and do it the same every time, no matter who's sitting in front of you. Exactly, exactly. And so, if, if because if it ever comes back that it shows any any indication of impropriety, then that's where it gets to be because you don't have to worry about it. It's like, oh well, I, I, it doesn't matter who, who it is. If they're approved for this, then they want to live here. This is what they're saying, um, and that's that. All right. Good conversation, lively discussion. Thank you both for joining me today on this session and um, looking forward to having more live discussion. And I'm sure I will see you once post-COVID. Um, we'll see you at maybe Springfield or one of the other uh, meetings. But have a yeah. uh, great rest of your day. And I can't wait for live in-person stuff. Yes. No. Thank you so much for this conversation, though. I think it definitely needs to be had. Um, and you're absolutely right. Illinois Realtors website. I feel like for over the past years, they have so many resources right now that you can utilize while you're at home. Right. You can do these things online. Forms, in your couch. Forms, forms are crazy. Like if, if just the forms alone. Every. Yeah. Don't need to get me started. And then just information, though, keeping yourself abreast of what's going on um, because they have the market stats. Right. You know, that we probably that may, many people may or may not open. I would say take the time to look through it in and and the, the law, um, the Betsy or Bands law minute. So we can have that's our risk management tool that we yes. have, you know, so know, know how to stay out of trouble. Knowledge is power. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Great discussion. So if you have questions, we've included the email address. It's events at IllinoisRealtorsPlural.org, along with the website. You can go to the website for resources and some of the education classes that we kind of spoke of or touched on. And we have a list of our industry partners that we've included a list for your information. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Illinois Realtors Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and of course, go on to iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave us a rating and a review. If you'd like to know more about us, you can simply go to www.illinoisrealtors.org.